0: We use a ghoulish number of spoilers, so watch the movies first.
1: Second warning, we don't know anything about anything, so don't take us seriously while we take these movies seriously.
0: Our film for today is called Digging Up the Marrow from 2014. And before we can even say a word about it, I want to discuss that I got up this morning and did some Googling trying to find a politically correct way to talk about this movie. And I can't even say what I had to Google because it wasn't politically correct. And it turns out there is no politically correct term for what I want to say. There's a reason there's no term for it because you shouldn't be lumping all these things together as one thing. And that is genetic disorders that cause some sort of physical difference from the average person this movie has a real problem as regards that issue yes it does the movie is a fake documentary about a guy who's a movie director Mm -hmm. who is a real movie director this Mm -hmm. it's made up to be a completely real kind of thing so he is a real director And he talks about his various movies. I saw somebody complain that this is like an ad for his other movies.
1: (laughs) And his TV show.
0: (laughs) Right. They talked about his TV show a lot. Um, His name's Adam Green. Go watch his movies. And he gets a message from a fan who says, Hey, I know about real monsters. Are you interested in, you know, covering them? And this is the documentary he created. Well, sort of. It's like a combination of behind-the-scenes footage and the documentary he recorded hanging out with this guy, whose name is Decker, to investigate the monsters that this guy says exist. So the reason the whole Google thing happens is that this guy's big theory is that children who are born with these genetic disorders, they just disappear at a certain age, he says.
1: Yeah. It's like, where do they go?
0: Already, there's a huge problem. Yeah. That's not okay and not true. But where do they go? Why they go underground and live in monster world all underground together instead of in our world.
1: Yeah. His big theory is that there is an entire society 100 yards below the surface of the earth where anyone who was born with one of these physical genetic disorders can go down and, and live amongst others like themselves, but not. And we'll get into that further. It
0: goes so much further. Yeah. Yeah. Um,
1: and you know, he goes on, he talks about how there's, it's a full society, you know, they have jobs and they have loves and marriages and, Mm -hmm. you know, creativity. And like, he's, uh, it started with me thinking, Okay, this movie is making a point, and and also um, Adam Green, he goes through the whole movie super excited that this is happening, and asking everybody around him, "Isn't this what you always wished for? Didn't you always yes, wish totally. that monsters were real?" Yeah. And and
0: monsters,
1: but his definition of monsters has always been, according to this documentary, that monsters are just misunderstood. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and so there was this there was this vague idea that those who are different from us are misunderstood and therefore end up labeled as monsters and that that is a problem like that. That yeah. is what it was trying to say.
0: And that's delightful. Yeah. And that's completely not what they did. No. I mean, fundamentally, the whole idea they like a monster comes crawling up out of the hole. and They're like, wow, that's another species of monster. and You're like wait, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> are these people with disorders or are they monsters? There's something very wrong with the things going on here. And it's totally a case of frat boy kids making this movie. That's who Adam Green is. Mm-hmm. Who just like, he doesn't know any better. Like he he's trying to be cool and thinks he's doing like something kind of supportive. And he's super not. Mm-hmm. It's actually really insulting and terrible.
1: It is. And it very much conflates real live humans whose physicality is different from other humans with fantastical reports of abnormal births, like, like not just abnormal, yeah. but like the kind that where this, everything grew in the wrong places and in the wrong ways and In ways that are completely unviable for life. Like, you know, many of the images that were drawn of these quote-unquote monsters were entities that would not have been able to live. And in conflating those stories, which, you know, have often been turned into entertainment in like time-life books and stuff like that, when you treat that sort of thing and say that it's exactly the same as any person who was born looking different than other people in some way, it's very problematic. It's not cool.
0: <laughs> yeah, and just like, and where do they all go? I mean, they... Yeah. They don't disappear at a certain... Age. I mean, if that's part of the story, he's not necessarily saying that's reality, but there's a creepy element to that of... Mm-hmm eugenics and whatever.
1: Mm-hmm. And part of me wanted to be like, okay, well, sometimes these kinds of genetic disorders cause people to die at a younger age. Mm-hmm. You know, you have a, a shorter lifespan. Also, because humans are terrible and always have been, we hide people away if they don't meet our our definition of acceptable looking so and I think that's what they were trying to get at yeah but then in saying where do they go and acting like they've actually gone somewhere when in fact they're probably in a hospital somewhere or tucked away in some assisted care place where we don't have to look at them You know, we being the general American population, not being the people who are part of families who have known and loved
0: individuals with these kinds of differences. That's all one big, big problem with the movie. Yes. But what I want to do is set that aside and just say, okay, this is a movie about the land where monsters live under the ground and discuss the movie and pretend that whole part isn't there because that can be separated. It's totally irrelevant to the plot, with one very key exception.
1: Yes. Okay. I am willing to set that piece aside for now and have a conversation about the rest of the movie with the understanding that nothing that we say going forward (laughs) negates the fact that it has this enormous problematic piece to
0: it. Yeah, it really does. And there's other aspects of that problem that are problematic, but... Yes. There's just too much.
1: And we can, you know, I, I think for simplicity's sake, let's use the term monsters because that's what they used in the movie. A lot. But again, using that term with the understanding that we're referring to made up fictional characters and not actual human beings.
0: Well, let me launch into how this movie came to be. And that helps with that issue. Okay. Adam Green actually did receive... well interesting story he received a letter from a fan telling him that his his own character victor crowley from his movies was actually a real person and this guy had all the facts and evidence about it and he had all the charts and stuff you know different maps and stuff like this guy was sending so this story is based on the fact that that happened to him which in that case, he actually ignored that guy.
1: Yeah. Imagine being in that situation.
0: I don't have to imagine it.
1: Oh, well. But nobody's ever sent you things <laughs> where you're like, where they were like, this guy you created, <laughs> who I assume kills people because it's from a horror movie, right? Yeah,
0: I, I would guess.
1: Uh, is a real person. And I have all this information. Yeah. I mean, that is an individual who is not
0: emotionally stable. Yeah, it's a little scary that's part one of how it came to be. Part two is then, I don't know how this happened, but he met with a guy who showed him a bunch of artwork. It is the artwork we see in the movie of, you know, assorted fantastical monsters. Mm-hmm. Not humans, monsters mm-hmm. of various kinds. And in the movie, the character is showing them off like, oh, a f- artist friend of mine made these. And all the, you know, actual... Monsters in the movie are based on this guy's artwork. Oh, and his art installation or series or whatever it is mm-hmm. was called Digging Up the Marrow and was about these monsters that live in the marrow. So the movie is based directly on that and he, he worked with that guy. He didn't but steal it. Did
1: that guy have also the idea that these monsters were actually rejected human beings?
0: I don't know. I'm going to say no. Just nice uh, i'm
1: gonna hope no
0: yeah i don't know though
1: <sighs> yeah so they were if if we hope <laughs> that he wasn't basing his drawings of monsters on the assumption that he really believes that these are humans living underground having been rejected by society then that does give us you know then these are fictionalized monsters that were created by somebody yeah okay so first, let's talk about the documentary element of it. That, that that he decided to tell this story using this documentary format so that it ended up being very found, like it was found footage, sure. essentially. Yeah. Um, not so much in the sense that it was found after
0: everyone was murdered. Yeah, surprising lack of death in this movie.
1: Yeah. But it was definitely, you know, all the, the other aspects of found footage you know we're watching like some night vision stuff there's lots of shaky cam there's lots of running and flailing the camera around
0: their cameraman did not want to shoot night vision he was so adamant there were whole scenes that were just dark because he was like i'm not using night vision makes everything look like green crap
1: yeah which is not wrong no he was right but was also an interesting choice (laughs) yeah so what did you think of that decision that idea that you know and then and then having himself play himself and, you know, all Ugh. of that, that insertion of reality into this. What did you think of that?
0: That's a, where we get into a problem. He thought about using a fake character instead of himself, but he wanted to have that, you know, his real life.
1: He wanted to have that acting credit <sighs> on IMDb. That's the problem
0: that I have <laughs> with this movie. Him... And all the many other people like him in the movie. There are several other big directors in the movie that you know have little mm-hmm. cameos. Mm-hmm. And then there's all the people in his office. And some, I mean, I'm sure a lot of those people are actors. But, for instance, they have this meeting with the producer of the TV show. And she's clearly not an actor. And it's all of them are not actors. And it shows. And it is not good.
1: It, yeah, it was weak. I guess I actually am... Um, Glad to hear you say that about that particular character, the producer of the show, because when they were having the meeting with her, I had the question of like, is this really the producer or is this a character? Like, what is happening here? And so the fact that I had the question sort of indicates that it wasn't great acting, but that also it wasn't like it could have been a lot worse.
0: Yeah. I mean, they weren't. (laughs) they weren't Mm -hmm. as stilted as some of the actual actors we've seen in some of the (laughs) terrible movies, but they, you know, they're just flat. They're not actors. Yeah. So that's the problem I had with him making it about himself Uh through this movie. I was having questions about what was really going on because they do have a lot of misleads and things. Mm -hmm. What did you think about Decker throughout this? Like, he obviously had a lot of traits where you were like, what's going on with that guy? Mm-hmm. What were you thinking was going on with that guy? And even some of the things were never really explained.
1: I think that there was a lot of missed potential with that character. Or maybe not even missed potential because they they saw the potential. They suggested the potential. There was a lot of promise and no follow through with him, I guess. Yeah. There were suggestions that he may or may not have been part of the Boston Police Department. Right. (laughs) And and that didn't go anywhere. Like they went up there to try to prove that he was or wasn't who he was or who he said he was. And then they, you know, they took an entire trip to Boston and then came back with no more information.
0: They took an entire trip to Boston to visit one police station yeah. and ask one guy one
1: dude who who was very upfront was like well I personally don't know him and yeah. I'm not going to give you information like I'm not just going to tell you about whatever you know this is yeah. secure information this is private information it was not well thought out in terms of the characters trying yeah. to get that information which then in turn makes me think it wasn't well thought out in terms of <laughs> the director Or the writer creating the story, you know?
0: Yeah. It was just a weird choice.
1: The whole bit about his son, where he has Mm -hmm. a son, but he won't talk about it. Yeah. That was a really good setup. I wanted that story, and nothing came of it. Like, I wanted that to be tied into where he was, like, spoon feeding the whole. And where he was sobbing at the edge of the hole, like...
0: I mean, I think it was connected, but there's no info.
1: I'm not even sure that it was connected. It was connected in the way that if I showed you a ball of blue yarn, and then you found (laughs) a bunch of snippings of blue yarn somewhere in the living room, you would assume they are connected, right? Yes, I would. But they're not actually connected. It was like that, like our brains wanted to create the pattern that connected them because they were so closely related yeah. but there was nothing in the story that actually said that
0: which brings me to the secret room in his house which we discover is like a it's a prison he he's had there's somebody shackles. shackled in mm-hmm. there there's newspaper all over the them. floor Covered with poo. Who was that and why and what was happening? No idea. Because that's not his son. Was it his son? He wasn't keeping his son. That doesn't make any sense. If he was keeping his son, he would be fine. He wouldn't have to go to the hole.
1: Except that very clearly, they start out by saying, oh, these monsters are, you know, they're just like you and us and they just want to live their lives. And by the end, it's like every single one of them Wants to destroy humanity and is trying to murder every human they come across. I'm like, you can't have it both ways, guys.
0: But luckily, they're very ineffective. Like the giant guy with spider claws coming out of his back who ran at their car, ran over their car, went behind their car, and and watched them drive away.
1: Yelled at them while they drove away. Yeah. I don't know. Like, so, okay, I want to tie all the blue threads together. Uh
0: Uh-huh. Make a scarf.
1: I want to make a scarf out of all of these little suggestions that were dribbled through this movie. I want to say he did have his son in that room who okay. he loved and who he wanted to take care of, but through virtue of being one of these monsters, he was unlovable and untake care of and eventually he escaped and/or he released him into the hole to go Mm. live with the other monsters. But none of that was in the movie. Like, that is me entirely, like, just, that's me using my writer brain to create a story around the snippets that were shown. I
0: mean, yeah, I I don't buy that that was his son. I had an idea, this is not fleshed out and doesn't really make sense, but that he had somebody from the hole chained up, as kind of kinda of like the alien movie uh, Devil's Gate. Mm-hmm. He had the guy chained up so that he was allowed to visit. Like, you know, uh, I won't kill him as long as you let me do this. But then why Possibly? wouldn't they just kidnap him and break into his house? I don't know. And
1: if that's the case, why did whoever took him away empty his house?
0: Oh, that's right. I thought he had just left, but he he was
1: He ended up chained captured. up in yeah. the underground. Why did they, like, it doesn't make any sense. Instead of it being that, you know, there's stuff thrown all over the place. There was clearly a struggle. It was somebody packed up all his belongings and took them away. Yeah. And took him away. Why? Why did they bother doing that? I guess maybe because they didn't want someone else to come across all of the information that he had synthesized.
0: That sounds good. It feels like one of those movies... Where it's too smart for us, and we like can't capture it all, except not because of it being smart, more like because it doesn't make enough sense. But th- like they had the ideas, mm-hmm. they knew what they were doing, but they did such a bad job with it that we can't figure it out.
1: Maybe I'm not one hundred percent convinced that they had the ideas. Okay. I feel like they had glimmers of the ideas. They had snippets. But they didn't put the time and effort into actually making it coherent. And they're benefiting because a lot of times horror movies do that because the scariest thing is yeah. the thing you let someone imagine for themselves because people are always going to imagine something scarier than you could come up with. Even for them.
0: scarier than a lawn gnome running across the ground going.
1: Ah! Yes, even scarier than that. Wow. <laughs> I think they're benefiting from the fact that they didn't bother to flesh out their ideas because it leaves these holes and then creative people will just fill in the holes with something interesting.
0: And yeah, that's cheating, that's guys. That's cheating. absolutely
1: cheating. That's you No. Know, bad director. Bad writer. I don't know.
0: And that discussion of emptying out his house brings me to my discussion of the ending of the movie mm-hmm. when he receives the camera given to him by apparently a monster who had stolen it way back at the beginning of the movie. And so we get to see what's on the camera. And I was all set for, in my, in my head, this was going to be it. Like, it's clear they were into the practical effects. They were excited about making these monsters, and that was clearly an element of the movie. I thought we were going to see, you know, it started going down that tunnel underground... Yep and it was going to open out into yep. this vast city. Yep. All kinds of wacky like I was picturing Fraggle Rock basically. <laughs> all these sure. wacky creatures jumping up and down and having a party.
1: Something well lit, clean, yes. unusual perhaps. But <laughs>
0: unusual would be good, yeah.
1: But but something like an a society, the thing they kept telling us existed. Yeah. Yes.
0: And instead the only things we see in this entire set of footage that the monster sends are human beings, characters we've already seen in the movie. Yep. Just, that's it. And a it. lot of roots. And a lot of roots. And
1: dirt walls.
0: Yep. There is one monster hand, the one from the camera. Yeah. visible at one point. That's yes. it.
1: Yes. Banging at the... Oh, no, I know what you mean. Where he reaches out to touch Adam's face. Yeah. Okay, we're going to come back to that, too, because okay. I have a big problem with that ending.
0: Me, too. Um...
1: So here's the thing, if they had done that and we had seen that there's an actual society where they're doing all the things that they were suggesting were being done down there and they were living their lives and everything was fine, it wouldn't have negated the problems of the movie, (laughs) but it might have pulled it back a little bit because it would have been like, oh, because it would have it would have tossed my preconceived notions On their head in the sense that I was like, this is all nonsense. These people are acting crazy. Like they don't know. None of this is real. You know, even things I said earlier where, you know, these are beings, entities that would not have been able to stay alive, like non-viable fetuses. (laughs) (laughs) Like it would have taken my preconceived notions and turned them around at me and made me go, oh, wait, that might have been something that might have made it worth it there would have been a lesson there sure but instead it was just like yep underneath this hole there's just a lot of dirt and, and monsters a keeping a human in a cage
0: well no there's a human in a cage i mean we don't see any monsters there's at least one monster holding the camera that's yeah it.
1: yeah Ugh. <sighs> Yeah, I. it was, that was a huge missed potential. Okay, so he says that this camera was delivered to him. And the way he says it is such that he's suggesting he doesn't know how it got there. Right. And that he's about to watch this footage for the first time.
0: Right. I know what you're saying.
1: And this footage ends with a monster... In his bedroom, Mm -hmm. filming him, putting the camera down, and I was like, okay, now the monster's going to sneak away. This is how Mm -hmm. it was delivered.
0: Makes sense. That would have made sense. Valid ending.
1: But nope, he had to get in that one last jump scare and make the monster scream and wake these two people up. In which case, Adam, my friend, you know exactly (laughs) how you got that camera.
0: I mean, he didn't say he didn't, but I totally agree that it was implied that it was a mystery.
1: I think that that was shoddy writing. I think that somebody didn't put two and two together. They were just really excited <laughs> about, okay, so we need him to get the camera back and it's cre- creepier if he doesn't know how and then we want one last jump scare for the audience. And yeah. they didn't think about how that jump scare completely ruined their setup.
0: Yeah. On the flip side to your idea that it would be great if we you know saw all these monsters and yes. solved it. What I was almost expecting out of this movie and was looking for about halfway through and would have found more entertaining is if Decker was a psycho who was making all this up and just getting them out there to kill them. Right. Cause it was looking sort of like that. And there were some questions about where this camera went and all sorts of other things. <laughs> and it was just like, it could have been there.
1: That would have made it make more sense that Decker went out and, carefully turned off all but one of the cameras right. to do weird things like like spooning baby food into the hole or mm-hmm. you know sobbing at the end of the hole like those things they only knew about because he accidentally left one camera running yeah even though he was there when they all put the cameras up and he knew how many cameras existed up there like it didn't make any sense and they tried to lampshade that by having the Adam character say that it didn't make any sense, but I'm like, dude, just because you also agree that this is nonsense doesn't make it okay. (laughs) Right.
0: And that that sits with in the scene where they're talking about that, in the background, the footage from those cameras is running Mm -hmm. while he's talking, and a monster walks across the screen. They never comment on it, and it's supposed to be a fun thing for you to see in the background, Mm -hmm. except they're talking to the guy who had sat there going over that footage for hours. He would definitely be like, also, look at this part where there's a monster.
1: I wondered, oh, it doesn't, my wondering doesn't make any sense though. I was like, maybe that's a live feed and this is happening no. real time, but it wasn't a live feed. And uh, in that I case, don't think. no, I don't think it was because they had to go get the cameras to look at the footage. Right. Yeah. But even then, I was like, somebody is interviewing them filming them the guy filming looking through the camera would be like hold on time out you guys (laughs) what is that he was even like you know it happened and then he like zoomed in on their heads i'm like oh he saw it he's trying to this is it we're gonna get it nope that was there was nonsense also there was a whole other scene of these two people being interviewed in front of a screen showing things earlier and I don't know if the, if the film was paused or what, but nothing happened on it the whole time. And it was like right there in between their heads the whole time for this whole scene. And go. I spent the whole scene sort of half listening but, to them talking and watching that screen behind them. Like, okay, something's going to happen. Something's yeah. going to happen. And nothing did.
0: Not to sit here continuing to throw out complaints, but that is just like when they were out in the woods... Watching the hole with Decker. Yep. And he's like, there's a monster right there. And they're like, we can't see it. We can't see it. And then all of a sudden it popped up right in front of them, right? You would have seen it get there. Even in full dark. Yeah.
1: I mean, come on. It didn't make any sense
0: that they were just showing nothing. Especially since it was a
1: pale gray. Yeah, Like, it, it was not full, full dark. You could see shadows and stuff. You would have seen movement. You would have seen that it was a light gray thing coming towards you. Yeah. No, it was ridiculous. Yes. And so it made me feel like, are these monsters invisible in the light? Like, what yeah. is that?
0: What's going on there? But
1: no, that was clearly not it. I don't know. There were a few parts about it that I enjoyed for the humor of them. Mm-hmm. I actually enjoyed the way that Decker was played. He was very abrupt and just flat out rude and nasty <laughs> in ways where I was like, "Oh, this is this is pretty realistic." Like rude characters in movies are often rude in not realistic ways, and this I was like, "Yep, this is a guy who has no understanding of what other people are thinking or feeling, has no understanding of how his Words or his actions are impacting anyone else and doesn't care. No self-awareness. It was done in a good way. Like, I feel like the casting there was done well, even though it was a very recognizable person.
0: Yeah, I think he did a really good job.
1: I particularly loved the part where he was talking about all the different places he had found holes to the marrow and how one of them was near an IHOP. Mm Mm-hmm. And that had they had some discussion about that, which mm-hmm. ended with Decker saying, Everybody loves pancakes.
0: Yeah. I mean I it mean, makes yeah. perfect sense. Yeah. Also, Decker's favorite song, he decided to put on some music before they started recording. Right. And he wouldn't not do it. And again, that felt like a mislead of like, what's that all uh-huh. about? What does that mean? No, it's just him being stupid. Yeah. His favorite music was like the song from Sinister while you're watching the whole movies <laughs> of cars burning up
1: <laughs> it was it was um yeah it was odd and it was old timey it was like almost carnival-y yeah which again you juxtapose the almost carnival music alongside the these people are monsters idea and it just accents that freak of nature kind of yeah.
0: issue which that used to be a big thing in horror mm-hmm. the but- There were Mm -hmm. movies called Freaks and Freaks 2 and all that. And uh, before people got a little bit sensitive to how other people feel, that was kind of what they did. And this feels like that's sort of how these guys are. They're, you know, frat boys who don't know any better.
1: But the best part about the song, his favorite song, (laughs) he's like, this is my favorite song. And Adam asks him, (laughs) who is it? He says, I don't know.
0: (laughs) Why would he know that?
1: Anybody have any information about his favorite song? um There was one other line that I absolutely loved. They were trying to convince Decker that they should be able to put these like fake street lights out by the hole.
0: Yeah.
1: Again, there were so many issues with that that they just chose just not to address. So many. One of them being, like, they wouldn't come out except when it was dark, so we couldn't see them, so they're going to make it light, because
0: <laughs> clearly still come out. it's a
1: time issue yeah. with them. Like, I don't even know what they were th- thought they were thinking. But they're trying to convince Decker that it's okay to put this light out there, and he's like, well, but, you know, how bright is it going to be?
0: <laughs> yes.
1: And Adam says, on a scale of 1 to 10, it's very soft.
0: Which is pretty accurate, I think.
1: Because I mean, I know just like you, <laughs> I learned how to count one, two, three, four, soft, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Very
0: soft is in there too.
1: When I was very young.
0: <laughs> I know.
1: I don't even know. Like, scale of one to ten, it's really soft.
0: Yeah.
1: All right, Adam.
0: But all of that goes to this same idea. I mean, we've talked about tons of issues with this movie. And they all fit in with another one I'm about to bring up. Yes. Because it feels like the guys who made this movie just sort of threw it together and didn't put any thought into how things work or, you know, whether this made sense with that or made sense in the first place. And one of them is that he said he was a Boston cop when they found out that nobody at the one police station in all of Boston knew him.
1: That one guy.
0: That the one guy who does policing in Boston didn't know him he was like private detective private means private i'm thinking private detectives aren't cops right. They're not even there's no connection there at all
1: oh yeah it was there was a lot of disconnect there somebody took that ball of blue yarn and just shredded it it was a cat And just sprinkled it around the room hoping people mm-hmm. would imagine a ball of blue yarn <laughs> <laughs>
0: It sounds like I hated it but for most of it I loved it I wanted to get to these answers they set up so many questions and then in true Netflix original style <laughs> they threw them out the window and set them on fire and dropped a bomb on them uh-huh so I'm not saying like a Netflix original it was like good all the way up till the end and then terrible it was bad throughout, but it had so many interesting questions. And I was really enjoying the idea that, you know, hey, it's a real director and this is his, you know, there was like some kind of behind the scenes st- sort of stuff, like going to a con and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And that was fun. We got to see Steve Agee. That's right. We briefly got to see Steve Agee. So it all seemed cool in a lot of different ways, except for the looming issue of ableism and... Then just so many dumb, dumb parts to the movie, just ridiculous decisions that didn't make any sense. It really just claws it down, and the wrap up makes no sense at all.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I'm gonna go a little higher than I would have otherwise because it just it had me going at first. I'm giving it very soft out of five. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> just kidding.
1: I like that very much. I kind of want to (laughs) do (laughs) that. On a scale of one to five, you're going to give it not great.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I guess I should put a number in. I'm going to give it two ice cream cone faces out of five.
1: Okay. I think you covered most of the thoughts I had about this in terms of where my writing comes from. I think we're very much on the same page on this.
0: Were you finding it interesting?
1: There were definitely interesting things about it. I mean, like I said before, I had some real questions about what's actually going on here and what's in the storage room and what happened to his son. I mean, they set up some really good questions for the viewer, but then they completely failed to answer them. Yeah. And on top of that there were a lot of things like sometimes if there are little things, but the overall story holds together, I'll be like, sure, sure. I don't care. You know, some people are like, where's the cat? Where's the cat? I'm like, <laughs> I don't care. There was a cat. There's the cat's gone. It's fine. <laughs> I'm not going to get hung up on the little details, but if your overall story doesn't hold together and you have a bunch of little details that don't stay true, that's a problem. <laughs> For sure. (laughs) I mean, it leaves very little for me to hold on to in terms of positivity. I do think the intent was good, but I think it's very, very, very important for us. Particularly the us that is embodied by things like white, male. That's me. Middle class, able-bodied.
0: That's not really me.
1: Cis-straight. These terms that are the quote-unquote normal side of these spectrums that we divide humanity into, when we land on that side of the spectrum, we have to pay attention to what we're doing and what impact our intent has. So I think that despite the positive intent, the impact was overall not great. No, it was Um, not, for sure. So I am going to... I, I made a point of picking my number before you said yours because I was afraid I was going to be influenced by what you said. I'm going to go slightly lower than you and give this one and a half ice cream cone faces out of five.
0: Okay, sure. Now, here's the thing.
1: What's the thing? For
0: the first time this month, I know what our movie for tomorrow is. Awesome. It is very much related to this movie. In fact, this movie is a clear homage to the movie we will be watching.
1: Oh. The
0: movie we will be watching is called Nightbreed, and it is a Clive Barker film. And the fundamental difference between that movie and this one is that in that movie, the monsters are monsters, and they don't pretend that... They're humans of some kind. I mean, they might actually be humans, but you know whatever rituals or something corrupted them i don't even know we're gonna find out but monsters it's not some insulting attack on other human beings
1: i mean except that it probably metaphorically is pretty insulting but this one was this one didn't even bother being metaphorical yeah this was just some humans are monsters yeah which is a problem
0: we should put them underground (laughs) right
1: I wish they would go live a hundred yards below the surface of the earth so we could all be happy.
0: Yeah, that's literally what it said. And once they reach a certain age, they should be gone. Yikes. All right. Good message.
1: Well, that's the end of this movie. We'll be back tomorrow talking about, yay, Clive Barker. Yay, Clive Barker. You, juxtapazo- <laughs> you
0: juxtapose, juxtapose,
1: You juxtapose.